everyone. Welcome to another episode of Sales Talk. This is Justin Taylor, NetIQ's Identity and Security Guru, and today we're going to be talking about access governance. You've probably heard a lot about access governance. You've seen the terms out there. Uh, but to help us to understand more about what it is and what it isn't, we're going to have a little conversation with one of our dear friends, Mr. Tom Crabb. Welcome, Tom. Thanks, Justin. It's great to be with you today. So what do you do, Tom? I am the Product Marketing Manager for Identity Manager and Access Governance Suite. Okay, so you probably know a little bit about access governance. It, I spent a little time there, yes. Yeah. One of the biggest questions we get, Tom, when it comes to access governance is, what is it all about? We've all probably grown up in an identity manager world where we're used to identity governance being about how fast can I make the change? Uh, if I see something happen inside of PeopleSoft, for example, how fast does it happen over in these other target systems? How quick can I do it? Can I monitor it? Can I report on it? But what's this thing called access governance? Don't we already do it with Identity Manager? We, we do have some capabilities with Identity Manager, but really if you step back a little bit, Identity Manager is largely driven by an, an IT group. It's, it's a technology play. It's, it's basically something that people are trying to you know, automate a provisioning process. Access governance, on the other hand, is largely driven by the business side. And what is really driving them is the notion of access certification. There, there are other things we'll talk about that access governance provides, but the real business driver for the business user is that they have to certify access to comply with the regulations or internal audit or some, some regulatory body is asking them to certify what the access is within their organization. Okay, so I have to certify the access. So identity manager is going to grant the access. I mean, it's going to go in and make the changes in the target systems. But what do you mean by certify that access? I mean, isn't that just a report? It, it could be a report, but the, the real challenge is the business is asked to say, who in your organization has access to what, and is that access appropriate? So a term you hear quite frequently is entitlement creep. Let's say you've been in an organization five or ten years. You've changed roles over time. And what happens normally is people grant accesses, but they're not very good about revoking accesses. So as you move through the organization, you may have accumulated all types of things that are not appropriate for your current role. And depending on what regulations you're subject to, that could be a violation. There might be you know, separation of duties violations where the checks and balances that normally are in place in business have been circumvented because you have the check and the balance because you've been in both roles. So those are the types of things that in order to pass things such as your PCI DSS audit, Sarbanes-Oxley, you know, might be a HIPAA. It might be something your internal auditor has said, I think the business practice we're doing is putting us at risk, so we need to fix these things and put new controls in place. They're going to have a list of things that are, need to be adhered to or policies that need to be followed. And a lot of the businesses today are doing it manually because that's the only method they have. So they'll run it via a spreadsheet or something along those lines. So you bring up an interesting point that compliance doesn't just necessarily mean the HIPAAs and the Basels and all the other types of uh, regulatory pieces, but it could just be, hey, what's our internal practice? What's our internal policy? And checking for compliance with that. Right. Auditors and internal auditors in particular aren't out to make IT's life miserable or the business's life miserable. They're there to safeguard the business. They may look at something and say, you know, this is a danger zone or someplace we maybe need to take a little bit more caution. So they'll give suggestions of how to change the business. And when IT or the business gets those suggestions, they're not just suggestions. The CFO, CEO definitely gives credence to what the internal auditors or external auditors say, and they will fix those things. 
So that's a real strong business driver, what Audit is saying, because they have to put their business practices in compliance so they don't put the business at risk. You mentioned a term again, access certification. We talked about the fact that they have to validate that the access that's granted because of things like entitlement creep, the fact that they're not good at removing. The reason people are good at adding, obviously, is because there's somebody yelling about it and saying, hey, I want this access. Removal, not so much. But talk to me through the process here about how a person actually would do certification. Let's say this is just a company. There's no such thing as technology. They're just simply going to go through and try to do a certification. What does that look like? It most companies I've met with, surprisingly, even very large companies, do this manually. So they, they've either used a driver, like an IDM driver, something that will just do a data poll and say, okay, here's all the users of this application. They'll start building a massive spreadsheet, if you will, of Justin Taylor has access to these things. It basically goes through and tries to you know, rationalize all the entitlements you have or the resources you have access to and build a list. And then they may send that around a spreadsheet, say, Justin, go through the list and see if these things are accurate. And if they're not, tell us differently. Then they would roll up to your manager and say, okay, Dave, check through and see, is this what your team should have access to, and so on and so forth. And a lot of these organizations, that may be a six or seven or eight month process. It's, it's very time consuming, as you can imagine. And one thing you hear very commonly as well is it's really a checkbox. Users may not put all the time and effort into actually certifying what is real and not real. Because one thing you find is, as IT just pulls all this list of information, some of it may be very cryptic or in IT speak. So, for example, if I say, Justin, should you have access to Active Directory Group XYZ PJ97F? Sure. Sound, sounds good. You have no idea what that group grants you as far as rights, privileges, and not. Most people won't say they don't need it. They, they might question why they need it, but you know, a lot of times we present information to people in a way that doesn't make any sense to them anyway. So the correct answer is yes. So meaningful certification doesn't happen a lot in those cases. So a, a problem, basically it's management by spreadsheet. Right. Um, so if there's a problem like this where people are just having a lot of issues, is it about collecting the data, um, really? Or what's the real pain with, with this process? Well, since the real pains are starting to surface is, like I said, sometimes these processes take six plus months, which is great if you have an annual interval for your certification, but some of these certifications need to be done quarterly now. So if you know the math just doesn't work for you, if it takes you six or seven months, you can't do it quarterly. So they need to find a way to do it on a more frequent basis, and they also need to create tools so it makes more sense to the end users. It's you know I can't keep throwing IT speak to the business users and expect them to like it. And also you got a lot of companies that spend you know six figures or seven figures doing these manual processes, and year after year they feel like they're just doing checkboxes. There's no real meaningful data coming out of it. So they're looking for tools that will give them a better way to aggregate the data, understand what the data means, and actually do a better job versus just a checkbox. Because it's not inexpensive anyway, no matter how you slice it. They're spending a lot of money, taking a lot of time, and they need to fix both. If they're going to spend the money, they want better results, and they have to get it done faster. Give me an example of an organization that probably could have benefited from having access governance. You know, we see a lot of um, security um, breaches uh, where people have gotten in and gotten information, um, maybe cases where somebody inside the company has done something nefarious, something they shouldn't have had access to do, but kind of that separation of duties issues, things entitlement creep had led up. What is it or what, what examples could you give us of a company that could have benefited from this? There's a lot of 
general examples. A couple that we've used in presentations is one around Society General as a, a large financial institution in, in Europe. And they had a trader that basically had gone through and changed jobs, changed roles, and over time basically accumulated all the checks and balances that you would normally put in place then take away. But he had accumulated them all, so he basically had no checks and balances. And at the end of the day, ended up causing a $7 billion loss to the organization. Uh, you see this in several organizations that that type of thing happens. Another, another example is UBS had a similar issue that when there's layoffs and things like that happening, typically those aren't top secret. I know management likes to think they're top secret, but people find out about them. And in that case, someone who had privileged user access caught wind of the changes coming up and built some time bombs, if you will, into the system so that things would go badly internally as far as their IT systems go. And as he was let go, the time bombs went off and he shorted the stock. The company lost about $2 billion, and it actually got to the point where the CEO was saying that, well, I, it's not my job to enforce all these policies. And, you know, it turns out that it is the CEO's job to enforce all the policies, such as, you know, separation of duties, who has privileged accesses and that type of thing. So the, where you see people really clamoring around access governance is regulated industries. If, if you're a state and local government and don't have a lot of regulation driving you, maybe even a university may not be a, the biggest problem you have. If you're in finance, banking, uh, health care, that type of thing, where you have you know, different regulations you have to do, retail, other places like that, it's, it's really a driver right now. And that's, that's where the conversation is in the identity and access and governance space is around access governance for those people. So you bring up a good point about is the CEO really responsible for it? What's the reason why these CEOs feel that they can't be, be held responsible for it? Well, we talked about those two examples, Society General and UBS, that lost $7 billion or $2 billion respectively. That's a big loss. But you can imagine if you're a very wealthy individual and thought about investing your money or putting it somewhere, if you saw that headline that that organization couldn't handle their own internal workings, you're probably not going to put your money there. You know, another example we have in a lot of our presentations is Sony with the PlayStation issue. Like, even if you're a consumer and you thought you'd buy your son or daughter a nice new gaming system and you just read that headline, you might think twice before you buy a PlayStation. You might pick up an Xbox or a Wii instead. And so it's that, the devastation of the business that could come out of you being the headline. You know, if you fail your PCI DSS audit, imagine what that would do to your retail business. It'd be devastating. You couldn't, it'd be almost hard to recover from that. So there's such a fear that that's going to cripple your business that you just can't have that happen. So you'll find an incredible urgency within IT to fix these things. It's not a nice to have. They will get it done. So you mentioned for these really large companies like UBS and Society General that um, the CEOs don't feel like they can be held responsible for that. Why is it that they don't feel that they should be held responsible? As management of the organization, clearly you've helped drive policies and procedures and they're written down in some fashion. But the enforcement of those policies and actually having them visible to people that can manage them is the real problem. That I can have a policy in place and all this stuff is going on behind the scenes, but there's no dashboards to present information to me. There's, there's no way for me to easily get a handle on what's going on in my organization because there are so many moving parts. And that's where they're really looking for tools that are business friendly not, not IT friendly necessarily, because IT's got a lot of things they can run reports and do things. But they want to have an independent way that they can go either pull up a dashboard or pull up some report and get some information without the involvement of IT. So that really is something that they need 
to give them better visibility and easy to use tools that allow them to do it themselves. So they can really see the trees through the forest. Absolutely. And they can scope it to what's, what their responsibility is. If you're CEO, obviously you want to roll up everything, but if you're a director or a line manager, you want to be able to see what's important to you. And that's, that's really what business is clamoring for as well, visibility that makes sense to you. Yeah. So a manager is only going to see his direct reports. The director level maybe is going to see his direct reports and their direct reports just kind of get a synopsis. Okay, this person certified this. I'm going to roll it up and it just keep kind of rolls up through the organization, you would say? Right, and it's, and it's scoped such that it only presents you the information that's pertinent to your job. As you get higher at the organization, obviously you should be able to see more. The same is true about requesting resources. You should only be able to see resources that you can actually request. And so it does that as well. So, you know, the access governance technologies are really a way to give the business tools to help them make proper business decisions and get IT out of the business and making business decisions because they, they don't really have the purview to do that. So it puts them in an awkward position. And if you don't have the appropriate tools, business can't really do an effective job of that either. So overall, what's the risk of them not having some kind of access governance? I don't want to say technology because we can do this without technology, obviously, but what's the risk to them if they don't have some procedure or controls in place for access governance? Besides, yeah, a couple of risks we talked about. If obviously, if your timelines change, you know, you may miss deadlines, which are really bad. You know, it's not, it's not like a, a nice to have, like we talked about. If you have to have something certified by a certain date, you've got to get it done. So either you bring in more outside manpower to do it manually, or you find a new new mousetrap to do it better. Uh, the other thing you'll find is that they they may have a breach down the road. It's not an if, but a when. If you're not plugging up some of the holes you've created, if you're allowing entitlement creep, you're allowing separation of duties, and even though you have best intentions because you put policies and things in place, you know, you, you basically create an environment whereby things may come back to bite you. So even though you're trying to do a great job with manual processes and such, at, at some point, your lack of having a good tool may come back to bite you. Thanks, Tom, for taking the time to discuss this with us. We really appreciate your time today. All right, thank you. Appreciate the time, Justin, and good selling, everyone. And for our next sales talk, we're going to be talking to the product manager, Brian Cardoza, and we're going to talk about NetIQ solution for access governance. Um, that's ironically called NetIQ Access Governance Suite. So with that, we'll thank you all for listening, and we wish you happy selling. Sales Talk is brought to you by NetIQ. You can send us feedback at salestalk at netiq.com. You can have this episode and others automatically delivered to your iPhone, iPad, or Android device. Please look for the Novell in Hand app in the Apple App Store or the Android Market. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.